It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. What's good, Wizards fans? It's your host, Real Ed Oliver and Brandon Scott. And today we have special guest Chase Hughes uh, getting ready to preview the trade deadline for the Wizards. Let's get to it. You are Locked On Wizards, your daily Washington Wizards podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Wizards your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. Today we have special guest Chase Hughes from NBC Sports Washington, the creator of Chasing Stats on NBC Sports Washington as well. How are you feeling today, Chase? Doing great. Thanks for the plug uh, for chasing stats there. <laughs> Definitely. So the Wizards were on a, a six-game winning streak, and then they went, they're went. they on a three-game skid right now. Kyle Kuzma said after the loss of the Blazers that they didn't know their personnel and they didn't make adjustments. Uh, what were your thoughts about the six-game winning streak and the three-game losing streak and, and Kuzma's comments um, about I, them not knowing personnel? I think this recent stretch has been like a perfect microcosm for their season as a whole. And that when they're healthy, they're pretty good. And when they aren't healthy, the bottom seems to fall out. You know, when they won six straight, uh, they had Bradley Beal for the most part, Chris Porzingis, Kyle Kuzma. They had just recently gotten a lot of guys back before that. Um, and then they start losing guys. And the last three games, they've they've lost all three of them. So I think it's a reminder as they head into the trade deadline is that as much as they, you know, maybe could address specific needs like three-point shooting and defense, Somehow figuring out a way to better compensate for the loss of key players, I think would be really smart for them to try to achieve because they got about 30 games left. You know, what if Kyle Kuzma misses 10 of them or Bradley Beal or Kristaps Porzingis? I think they got to guard against the situation where they lose one or two key rotation players and all of a sudden they can't compete night to night. So um, it's been a problem for them all year. They've had uh, more injuries than most teams and the injuries that they've had have been to key players. Bradley Beal, of course, has missed a lot of games, but 
you know, that's also part of the deal in professional sports and in the NBA. You got to be able to withstand injuries, and the Wizards haven't done a great job of that this year. Definitely, yeah, and, and just the defense has been disappointing the past three games. Um, Anthony Simon's going for 30 points, and then Cam Thomas going for 44 points, and um, as you pointed out, a stat as well that, you know, he scored the most points off the bench, I want to say in 29 minutes, which was just insane. I mean, he did it to the Clippers last night, too. It doesn't make us feel any better, but, you know, back-to-back games, they allow that to happen. So, um, you know, we'll see how the rest of the season goes. Yeah, it was, um, you know, the first loss they had was to the Blazers, and Anthony Simons went off, and uh, they made 17 threes, including nine in the third quarter. And then in the second game, it was Cam Thomas who went off at uh, the same, basically the same position. And then in the third game, they gave up a bunch of threes to the Cleveland Cavaliers. So now the Wizards this year have been pretty good defensively. It's, they've been better defensively than they've been offensively. And they've been pretty good at defending threes. But the last three games, uh, that has not been the case at all. And, you know, you look at some of the matchup numbers, even their best defenders like DeLon Wright, Denny Avdia, They've had a lot of trouble against these guys they've gone up against. So I don't know uh, what type of adjustment needs to be made. I asked DeLon Wright that today, and I didn't phrase the question as well as I feel like I could have because he was like, well, you know, the big men have to be better too. And he's right because, uh, you know, the last game, um, I believe the the Cavaliers had 58 paint points. So that's a lot of paint points. So it's been a, a problem all across the board, but the three-point defense has really stood out to me recently. Definitely, yeah. You can go ahead, Brandon. All right, cool. Um, you mentioned the deadline coming up, February 9th. Now, looking at this roster, you know, uh, the front office made it plain that they want to build around Kyle Kuzma, Bradley Bill, and potentially Christoph Brzingis. Now, if you look at the cap next season, which I believe is going to be $134 million, and if you look at the fact that, all right, let's pretend that Kyle Kuzma opts out, but KP opts in. So looking at the salaries next year, Brad makes 46.7, Christoph 36 million. Kyle Kuzma, he wants to deal around with John Collins has. So resuming 25 million. And then if you look at Gafford going into his extension with 12 million and Monte Morris and DeLon Wright, both 9 million and 8 million rather. And with management saying that they don't want to go into the, um, the luxury tax, do you see any kind of major moves, you know, maybe Monte Morris, DeLon, or even Daniel Gafford being moved to the deadline to kind of free up the salary cap issues next season? I'm guessing that that doesn't happen at the deadline. I think Will Barton, obviously, everyone can see, is a a prime candidate to be traded. He's been out of the rotation for the most part until very recently, Um, but they might just be putting him out there to kind of show other teams what he still has. Um, Obviously, you know, he fits all the parameters that Davis Bertans did last year. So I think it's probably still pretty likely that that he gets dealt. But in terms of, you know, Monte Morris and uh, DeLon Wright and other guys that they have on the books moving forward, I could see that as something they sort out in the offseason. Um, you know, they maybe make an addition now to try to make the playoff push and then get into the offseason and sort of take it one step at a time because, you know, it doesn't it's not going to all happen at once. If they recognize that they're going to have to move off a contract, they can do that um, in free agency and, and, and during the, once the trade period opens. So that's what I think would happen. I, I don't think they're going to clear a bunch of money right now uh, to try to re-sign Kyle Kuzma. I think trading Rui, Rui Hachimura was partly uh, for that reason. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. To me, it's just kind of trying to find the vision going forward because, you know, as you said, that they, Ted Leonsis doesn't necessarily want to go into the luxury tax. I believe he's only been in the luxury tax one time since he's uh, been owner. 
And if you, I mean, like you said, look at, I'm not a big math guy, man, but if you look at the salaries, you know, you can't, you're really pushing close to the luxury tax, especially, you know, like I said, Kyle Kuzman wants around 20 to 25. Cause I think he's really basing that off of John Collins, which is his contract. So, and even if, you know, Christoph Bazingas in access is going to be really, really close to the luxury tax. So, you know, that maybe Monte, I mean, cause there's reports that LA, the Clippers are looking for a point guard. You know, if you look at, the amount of depth we've had at the, at the one and two guard, you know, Kendrick Nunn has played well since he came over from LA. You know, it's been kind of, you know, a little cold the last couple of games, but you know, look at Jordan Goodwin, you look at Delon. So, you know, maybe they make a move at the deadline for one of these guards, but I mean, has there been any chatter about that? You know, the influx of guards. Well, first of all, the thing about the luxury tax is that it's not due until after the season. So the wizards are below the luxury tax now. So they could, theoretically go into the luxury tax this offseason and then go into the next season and see how it goes. And if it doesn't look like they're going to be contenders or at a level where Ted Leonsis and ownership are comfortable with paying the luxury tax, then they can get out from under that by shedding salary at the deadline. Now, 2017-18, uh, if I recall correctly, was the one year that they did pay the luxury tax. They were scheduled to pay it the following season, but you remember all those trades they made to get rid of Otto Porter and Markeith Morris and um, they made a bunch of deals right at the deadline. Remember, they got Jabari Parker and Bobby Portis um, and then let those contracts expire. That was all to get out from under the luxury tax. So I could see that how I could see that being a way that they go. Uh, they go into the offseason and re-sign Kyle Kuzma and try to keep Kristaps Porzingis at whatever number that ends up being, you know, based on whether he opts in or opts out <clears throat> and then go from there. Um, as far as their guard influx, um, I don't I don't think it's, uh, you know, the type of logjam where they feel like they need, are going to need to solve that with the trade. You know, obviously they did that at the forward position. I think maybe if they wanted to move their depth around, maybe adding someone who can play a little bit more at the three, maybe defend threes. And then you can actually move Denny Abdia more to being a four, three rather than a three, four, because they got rid of Rui Hachimura. They brought in Kendrick Nunn but there's still not really someone there who can sort of slide Denny Abdi over to the position that they're trying to now have him play. Um, but, you know, we'll see. I, I think the, the guard rotation, um, it's, it's fairly deep in, in terms of quantity, um, but it's not like they've got a bunch of stars that are stepping all over each other. So I think they could probably just sort that out with whoever plays well and maybe someone's the odd man out in terms of minutes. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, I'm glad you brought up moving Denny to the four because I, I believe we need a guy on the wing for the second unit because you know I, I like the starting unit when they're when they're healthy and they're together you know Monte point guard Bill Coos in in the, in the Twin Towers and the second unit we just need in my opinion one more score so yeah I mean what, what do you think e? yeah you can see it I think in the in the the loss to the Nets they needed some scoring they didn't have any guys that could create especially with Coos going down and Bill being out uh, I think that hurt them down the stretch. Um, you can see that against the Cavs, too, with Bill and Kuzma being out. Nobody could really create uh, – manufacture buckets for themselves. It was really Porzingis um, getting his baskets. And other than that, you know, guys were, you know, moving the ball around the perimeter, but nobody was getting it to the paint. That's been the – the Achilles heel with our point guards. We haven't had guys that can really get to the paint and create shots for others, or we haven't had an explosive – we don't have explosiveness at the guard spot or shiftiness. A guy that can change the pace because we've been spoiled with guards, point guards, John Wall, Russ Westbrook, guys that can easily get to the paint. We just haven't really had that this year. Um, so that's probably the that's one of the biggest needs that we do have going into the trade deadline. 
Yeah, I think positionally that makes sense. Um, I think their biggest need is three-point shooting. Uh, maybe there's a, a wing defender out there that you could get that could help tie their defense together and make it go from about average to elite. You know, maybe you could go from 15th ranked defense um, and defensive efficiency to top 10. Um, but three-point shooting and defense, you know, beyond depth, um, going back to what I said about injuries and trying to withstand injuries, I think you could raise the floor of your team by just adding another shooter or two um, or another defender and, and, you know, becoming a more consistent three-point shooting team or a more consistent defensive team. I think that's the type of system that maybe they could create where if a guy does go out, uh, it's not a huge drop-off because some nights you'll just get hot from three and you'll be in a game or you'll run away with a game just because of that. Definitely, yeah. We're going to get to some possible trade candidates here. Before we do get into that, this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn is super easy to use. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using insights from your, from your job post company and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. Identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs and connect with them fast. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Yes, and for free. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job quali qualifications all on one platform. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster, Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. The NBA trade deadline is approaching and LockedOn has you covered Thursday, February 9th. Tune in to LockedOnNBA on YouTube at 2 o'clock Eastern time to hear reaction from the trades that will change the rest of the NBA season. Who becomes contenders and who is taking for a better future? Subscribe to LockedOnNBA and YouTube and don't miss a deal. All right. So, who are you? Who are some um, potential trade candidates that you're hearing that the Wizards may have interest in? Um, I know they've been reportedly interested in Emmanuel quickly and some other guards. Uh, who who have you been hearing? Well, you know, I haven't heard very many specific names with the Wizards where I felt like, okay, that's uh, pretty credible. Like that seems likely. Uh, you know, some of the names that have been out there in trade rumors that I think could. Uh, potentially be fits here would be like you know Luke Kennard or Evan Fournier or Gary Trent guys who can shoot the three ball but uh, you know I think it's easier with the Wizards sometimes to figure out who they're going to trade rather than who they're going to trade for um, the last few years like for instance Daniel Gafford there weren't very many rumors leading up to that um, same with Kristaps Porzingis when they acquired him um, but on the flip side of that like I think everyone could have told you that Davis Bertans was probably going to get traded uh, when he was dealt 
for Chris Stapps Porzingis. So um, the Wizards do a pretty good job of kind of keeping things close to the vest uh, this time of year. Um, so I, I would probably caution Wizards fans to keep that in mind when they do hear some names thrown out there. Um, but you mentioned Emmanuel quickly. If you could get him, um, I mean, he's a terrific player. I, I've, I really liked him coming out of the draft, and he's the type of player that I think would be a great fit for, for the Wizards. I wonder if they would be able to give up what is required to get him um, because that that guy is good enough to me who to say that he'd probably be worth a first-round pick, and I don't know if the Wizards would trade a first-round pick for him. Um, but if he was available and the Wizards were able to get him, that would be a fantastic uh, acquisition for sure. Definitely, yeah. Somebody like Colin Sexton and uh, Mayo quickly, they're young, shifty guards that I think definitely help the Wizards out. Um, and then speaking on trade value, uh, I know they do want to bring Kyle Kuzma back, but um, if you could just explain the advantage that they have going into the offseason with his Burge rights, um, for people who don't know much about Burge rights, uh, what advantages do you see the Wizards having with bringing Kyle Kuzma back in the offseason uh, against other teams in free agency? Well, yeah, the bird rights means that the Wizards can um, exceed the salary cap by re-signing him. Um, and, you know, if he were to go out in free agency, the teams that could sign him outright um, are teams that probably aren't going to be very good next year, uh, like Detroit and uh, San Antonio. I believe Houston's one of those teams. Uh, you know, Detroit is in the state where he's from, so I wouldn't be surprised if Kyle Kuzma at some point in his career played with the Detroit Pistons. But, you know, in Washington, he's got a pretty good situation. I think they can afford to pay him a lot of money and, you know, give him probably the biggest contract that he'll get in his career. And it's been a good situation for him on the court. Uh, he's really been able to develop as a scorer um, and basically spread his wings after being uh, the third option and being a complimentary role player alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And, you know, the Wizards have taken some steps to make things pretty comfortable for him here. Um, last offseason, they went out and they got Monte Morris, who was his childhood best friend. Um, DeLon Wright was his college teammate. Um, he gets along great with Chris Stapps Porzingis and uh, other guys on the team. So I, I think it's a, a good situation for him on the court and off the court. And uh, I would be pretty surprised, honestly, at this point, if he left in free agency, because I think the Wizards have created the type of situation where it's going to be um, far more positives than negatives when he weighs his decision in free agency. Definitely. You can go ahead, Brandon. Uh, another question I had, um, out of all the guards, who do you see? Uh, I wanted to get some trade value questions too. What do you see Denny obvious trade value being and how, how, what were your thoughts on the way he's played and Corey Kispert as well, the last couple of games? Um, I think Denny Obvious trade value wouldn't be significant, um, but also I really don't see the Wizards trading him. I'd be pretty surprised because um, he's an ascending player. I mean, he's not like on the cusp of stardom, but he's an ascending player who continues to show more and more flashes of being a good player in this league. And he's 22. He turned 22 last month. So he's very young. And he's also still on a rookie contract uh, through next season. And the Wizards haven't traded many guys in that position uh, or at that time, at that period of time in their contracts. And um, there's an important reason why, because they tend to carry large contracts. Like right now, Bradley Beal's Supermax deal. Kristaps uh, Porzingis, you mentioned, is making $36 million. Kyle Kuzma's going to make a lot more than the $13 million he's making this year. And the best way to offset those types of contracts on your salary cap 
is to have guys on rookie deals and especially guys who are on rookie contracts that are in your rotation who are continuing to improve. So Denny Avdia, you know, obviously not a perfect player at this point in his career, but I think he's very valuable to the Wizards for those reasons. And, you know, if they were to trade him, I think it'd have to be as part of a package for something pretty substantial or maybe to get a player back who is also on a rookie contract. You know, maybe I don't know if they wanted to address a different position, but for those reasons, I, I would be pretty surprised if he got traded. Um, Corey Kispert, the same thing. You know, he's a year behind uh, Denny Avdi. He's got two years left on his rookie deal after this one. And he's turned into, I think, their most consistently good young player. I mean, obviously, Daniel Gafford's been playing really well lately, but Corey Kispert, you kind of know what you're going to get from him. He's one of the best three-point shooters in the league right now, you know, at least in terms of percentage, not necessarily volume. Um, but he's a, just a valuable offensive player. He moves the ball. Um, he's a good cutter. He's really good at respacing. Um, and he shoots a pretty high percentage, not only from three, but also at the rim. So I, I think you have to really like where his progress is at right now. And I think it's an indication that, you know, he w- he's basically doing exactly what the Wizards drafted him to do, which is be a three-point shooter and also uh, just provide some space to the floor for other players on the team. Definitely, Brandon, I see you back on. You can go ahead. Yeah, you know, out of nowhere, my, my, computer, my computer's restarted. So that, it's definitely my bad, y'all. So um, looking at this core, this is my question. Looking at this core, because uh, I know that management says that they want to go forward with this core, like I said, of uh, Kyle Kuzma, Christopher Zingas, and Bradley Bill. To you and really to the organization, um, what is the ceiling? What I mean, do, do, do they hope this can lead to maybe – a contender or what, what is the ceiling for the squad as far as this, this core of the solid three? Well, at the moment, the ceiling doesn't appear to be like super high. Uh, you know, when they've been healthy, they've been 500 or slow. I think they're above 500 team when healthy. You know, we saw them start out nine and seven, then Rui Hachimura got hurt for a month. And I think they went three and 13 after that. Um, and then we recently saw them go 13 and eight once they got Healthy once Daniel Gaffer was moved into the starting lineup, they went 13 and eight across 21 games, which is a quarter of the season. I think that's a decent representation of what they are when they're healthy, but clearly they don't have the secondary pieces to uh, sustain an 82 game campaign when it comes to injuries and when it comes to um, just all the different things that can happen, you know, long road trips, back to backs, all those sorts of things. Um, so I think the ceiling is a, a trio is probably. Uh, you know, a fifth or sixth seed if you had a really good supporting cast. But, you know, one thing that they're going to have to wrestle with as they go into the offseason is just the availability of Bradley Beal and, you know, to a certain extent, Chris Stapps Porzingis. Porzingis, of course, um, has the history of injuries. This year he's been healthy for the most part, and Kyle Kuzma has been healthy. It's been Bradley Beal. But, you know, you're talking about two of the three guys that you're trying to invest a lot of money in and build your team around that have both had some availability concerns. So, that's definitely got to be a factor moving forward for the team. So I think that's something that, you know, probably is inevitably going to lower their ceiling a little bit, but when they're healthy and when they're all three of them are on the court, you know, I think it's an above 500 team and a playoff team. Um, It's just that they've got to be healthy and on the court. And obviously as we've seen, that doesn't happen as often as they would like. Well, I know that Telios is, you know, is famous for saying that he, you know, they would never tank, you know, they want to try to be in playoff contention every season but to you what would be the factors that would force him to finally kind of press that rebuild button like what would have to go wrong for this franchise probably within you know in the next one to three years for them to finally push that button 
You know, that's a terrific question because, um, you know, if anything was going to force a franchise into tanking, it would be the John Wall situation, right? You sign a guy to a super max deal. He ruptures his Achilles. He misses all that time. Like that's the type of catastrophic event that would force a team into rebuilding. But, you know, they had Bradley Beal. He was still, um, you know, what in his mid twenties when that happened. So they decided to build around him and move forward. I think it would probably have to involve Bradley Beal um, asking out or Bradley Beal having a, you know, knock on wood, a, a, some sort of injury that changed the trajectory of him and therefore the trajectory of the franchise. But I think it would probably, the short answer to that question would be, uh, Bradley Beal forcing himself out and the wizards deciding, okay, let's just, uh, you know, get draft picks and sort of hit the reset button rather than, you know, maybe trade Bradley Beal for a few guys who could contribute now. Okay. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> Because, I mean, you know, if you look at uh, kind of the pulse of the fans right now is, you know, there's there's a divide. You know, you, you got fans who want to hit that reset button. And then you have fans that, you know, that look at this core. And it's a fun core. Like, look, you know, I, I'll admit I was a fan, you know, that kind of wanted to hit that reset button. But I will admit that this core, when they're healthy, they're fun to watch. I mean, they play well together. You like the culture that, you know, this team with the franchise. Because look at years past, we've had a lot of bad culture moments you know, going all the way back to Gilbert Arenas to John Wall to last year with, you know, a lot of people fighting. <laughs> so there's definitely a better culture with this team. So it's just, it's, I think that a lot of fans right now is just vision, man. You know, you know, what's the vision for the next three to fives? Cause you know, I get it right now. They want to build around this core and I get that they're a fun quarter watch, but really what's the vision for the next three to five years? You know, what's the next era, you know? So, um, but I definitely appreciate the answer, man. Um, before we move on to the next or the last round of questions, Tonight's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at a Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with no sweat first bet. You get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if you if your first bet doesn't win, FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. First of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join now at FanDuel at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax, make your moves, they'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. All right, last couple of questions I have is, uh, what do you see with Chris Porzingis' future coming up? What, how do you feel is going to end up uh, this offseason in, in the trade deadline? Do you see him opting in or opting out? Uh, what kind of pulls do you have on, on Chris Tapps and also uh, Will Barton? 
Uh, well, Kristaps Porzingis, I think if he stays healthy as, as much as he has so far, um, you know, he ends up playing like a career-high 70-plus games. I could see him opting out, right? I mean, $36 million is a lot of money, but if you could, um, you know, go into the offseason off a year like that, and, you know, maybe if you're not making $36 million next year, but you're making something close to that and it's spread out over the course of a multi-year contract, I think it could make a lot of sense for him. He'll be at the right age um, to get a, a long-term deal. Um, you know, maybe it's incentive-laden, but um, I could see him opting out at this point, you know, barring injury. Um, Will Barton, um, we'll see if he's here past the deadline. I, I think, you know, he's in his 30s now. Um, he's not getting to the rim nearly as often as he did a few years ago during his prime and throughout the course of his career. And he's also... Um, just not putting up the same numbers. And I wonder how much uh, it is a result of him having played with Nikola Jokic. You know, we saw so many guys come through here and their numbers were just inflated by playing with John Wall, who was incredible at drawing the attention of the defense and throwing accurate passes on the run and just finding guys exactly the type of shots that they wanted. Nikola Jokic is the same kind of guy. Now, Monte Morris, to his credit, has not skipped the beat. He's the same guy he was in Denver. But Will Barton has struggled to... Uh, shoot the same percentages he did in Denver. And defensively, he's he's really had a whole lot of trouble this year. So uh, given his age, given the season he's had, we'll see. You know, maybe he gets dealt to another team and gets to raise his value by the end of the season. But I would imagine he'll probably have to take a prove it deal in the offseason. And, you know, good luck to him. Hopefully, um, you know, he can re- regain some of that magic and and get back to being a pretty good scorer and, and find a good situation for himself. But you know, I would certainly expect it to be kind of a crossroads for him going into the offseason if the way this season has gone so far continues. Yeah, and his trade value, it, it I think it's been raised because he was just traded for, you know, Dinwiddie and Bertans, and I think, you know, you could get more in the market for him. But, um, and, you know, Kevin Durant right now, he's not playing an all-star game. So I feel like either him or Kuz or maybe one of the Wizards could get a reserve spot in the all-star game. But before I move on to Brandon's question, I just want to talk about Johnny Davis and Quentin Jackson and Jordan Goodwin, some of the young guys, too. I know you wrote an article about Quentin Jackson. Um, Johnny Davis's numbers, they don't wow you. They're not off the charts in the G League right now. So what have you seen from Johnny Davis so far? Um, it looks like they they kind of try to fix his shot a little bit due to some pictures online that I've seen. And um, what's your thoughts about Quentin Jackson? Do you see him getting any playing time anytime soon this year? And um, how does Jordan Goodwin get a roster spot? Yeah, so first on uh, Johnny Davis, um, it's looking more and more like it's going to be a redshirt year. Like, obviously, he's really, really struggled, uh, not just at the NBA level, but his shooting percentages in in the G League. You know, he's shooting from the field, I think it's like 38% and like 20-something percent from three. He struggled a little bit with his turnovers. Now, they do say he's defending well. I've seen a couple go-go games this year um, where I've seen that too. Um, you know, I, I talked to head coach Mike Williams, he said they assigned the best player on the opposing team every night to Johnny Davis. So there, there is that, but you know, the shooting percentages, if you're shooting 38, 39% in the G league, then you're a long ways away from being an NBA rotation player offensively, especially when you look up and the rotation at the NBA level struggles a little bit shooting from the outside, right? It's just not a, a great fit for him right now. The wizards rotation. I think if he you know, was in an organization where they were just loaded with three-point shooters and they had an opening at the two-guard position, just needed someone to play some defense, then maybe he would be in the rotation or at least on the, the roster playing a little bit more. Um, but it just hasn't been a good fit for him in that regard. So I think the Wizards just have to try to 
hope that he comes back better next year, um, just like he did at Wisconsin. You know, he averaged like seven points a game as a freshman in Wisconsin. And, you know, from what I understand, was talking to NBA agents after that offseason, but um, none of them expected him to be a top 10 pick a year after that. He wasn't really on NBA radars to that degree. So he became a 20-point scorer in the Big Ten Player of the Year. So, you know, he has shown that he can adjust to a new level and improve dramatically in a short period of time. So that's all the Wizards can hope for, because obviously right now, not the start any player picked in the top 10 would hope for uh, in their career. And offensively, he's got a long ways to go. Um, Quentin Jackson, you know, it's just based on his contract, I, I doubt we'll see him with the Wizards anytime soon. We're not seeing the hardship exemption deals given out like we did last year. If this was last year, he'd be up already, right? Um, but he might have to wait his turn. He's impressed, though. He's played well defensively. Um, he's put up pretty good percentages shooting wise um, and has, has been a key contributor for the, the go-go this year. It's his rookie year in the G league. So, you know, he's, he's got some time and I think he'll get there. Um, he can also technically join other teams. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, at some point another team was interested in him um, and Jordan Goodwin, I would expect that to happen this week for him to get an NBA deal. Um, I think once the trade deadline dust settles, they'll um, be able to convert his contract and um, you know, He's had to spend some time with the go-go recently just because he's been on the two-way deal. I'm sure a lot of fans have heard this, where you're only allowed to be active for 50 games, and he's bumping up on that number already. Uh, so the Wizards have made it pretty obvious that they're going to give him an NBA contract. It's just a matter of opening a roster spot. How they do that, we'll see. Uh, I mean, maybe they trade two guys for one, and then all of a sudden a spot opens up. Um, you know, Maybe they take a second look at some of their young players on the back end of the roster and wonder, you know, do we want to keep these guys? I don't know how they're going to do it. I just expect that, you know, maybe a week from now, uh, Jordan Goodwin has a different contract because obviously the Wizards are going to need him down the stretch of this season. Yeah. Fred, you got anything else? Oh, yes, sir. I'm, I'm going to do a quick question before we roll out, man. Um, <laughs> some hypotheticals real quick. So going to the offseason, what if KP and Kuz both walk and we kind of force it to maybe not a full rebuild or maybe a, a retool? Now, if, he, if we have to build through the draft, how capable do you think that Tommy Shepard at GM is dra building through the draft? If you look at kind of his uh, his previous picks, going back to Rui, not really a star, you know, not really a full-time starter, but you have guys that aren't finished products, but they are good role players. But if you had to build through the draft and find starters and future stars through the draft, how capable do you think Tommy is doing that? Well, to answer your first question, I think if Porzingis and Kuzma left in the offseason and wasn't signing trades and left them with nothing, that would obviously be a worst-case scenario for the Wizards because they would lose two really good players for nothing. And that you know, technically could happen. I don't think it's going to happen. I think both of those guys are going to give the Wizards uh, all the opportunity in the world to re-sign them. You know, certainly Kuzma, we know he'll be a free agent, but Porzingis, if it comes to that, I think Porzingis really likes playing here too. So I think the Wizards... You know, they're in a good spot if they want to keep those guys to keep them. Um, but that, that would be tough. Uh, I, I, can't, I, I can't think of a team that has lost two players of that caliber in free agency. Usually, you know, you might lose one, but to lose two in the same year, that would be pretty unusual and pretty tough. Um, as far as the front office and drafting, there's no question they got to improve their, their success rate in, in the draft. Like um, Rui Hachimura, Denny Avdia, Corey Kispert, they're all solid picks, I think, especially when you consider where they were drafted. Like, Ruha Chamura, you know, you pick him ninth. Okay, that that's fine. You know, Denny Avdia, I think over time could grow into someone who's worth the ninth overall pick. Um, Corey Kisper, I think already, you know, it, just in a vacuum is what I'm saying. It's like 
okay, he's worth the 15th overall pick. He's doing exactly what you, you think he should. But they've yet to really over-index on one of those draft picks. And I think you have to do that, whether you're picking in the top five, whether you're picking top 10, or whether it's late in the first round or in the second round. Contenders are pretty much invariably built by front offices that over-index consistently on draft picks. Like Ed, when, when Rui Hachimura was picked ninth overall, I, I looked at every draft going back to the 1970s and for like 30 something years, every single year, there was a future all-star available on the board at number nine. Now who that's going to be from his draft. I'm not sure I'd have to pull up the, the list uh, Tyler Hero obviously has been very good, but you know, the next year Tyrese Halliburton was picked after Denny Avdia that they had the ninth pick and Tyrese Halliburton's already developed into an all-star. Like odds are there's someone on the board that you can find that's going to be a, a franchise changing player. And they haven't really been able to do that. So they've got to get better at that. Now, obviously some of the young guys like Kispert and Denny Avdia, the jury's still out on them. They're still very young. They have the opportunity to improve. I still really like their upside. I still really think that Denny Avdia has got a really high ceiling. Um, and Johnny Davis, obviously we'll see it's the very beginning and he hasn't shown us a whole lot yet, but no question. Short answer to that is that the wizards got to improve with the, their, their draft success. Um, and I would just say this because I think it's the most important part of what they do, right? You know, if you're in a market that isn't LA or Miami where free agents are going to come to you, you, you gotta be able to, you know, hit in the draft because the draft leads to, you know, more flexibility with trades. I think it also helps your chances in free agency because you've got young players, on rookie deals that can offset the big contracts. So um, I think if this plan is going to work, it's going to be, it's going to work because they nailed draft picks. And so far they've only done, I would say a decent job in the draft. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you. I just, I figured I'd ask, you know, a little hypotheticals, but because I think that, you know, KP and Kuz will be here long-term, you know, every report says that KP likes DC. Um, and, you know, you said, you know, Kuzma and a lot of reports said that, you know, the wizards have given him the room to kind of, find his way as a basketball player because really if you look at him from his la days he's a complete player now you know he's a totally different player you know he's so i like what i see from coos so uh before we roll out man is there anything that you want to plug real quick um i would just say you know you plugged it off the top chasing stats i feel like i'm trying to get better and better at those and i feel like we've improved them this year so uh go ahead and catch up on chasing stats on nbc sports washington Definitely. One last question is just a quick question. Sure. What's your what's your record prediction for the Wizards for the rest of the year or for, to finish up this year? Let's see. Um, you know, I think if I, I think they get to 41 and 41, I think they'll be above 500 the rest of the way. But, you know, they dug themselves a pretty big hole with that 10 game losing streak. That was uh, that was a, a, a season changing slump. So I, I don't see them getting to like 45 wins or anything like that. But I, I think they get to 41 and 41. I think a big reason why is because their schedule is really manageable down the stretch. You know, I, I wrote a story on this at the midway point. They played one of the most difficult schedules to that point, And they'd also played uh, the second most road games of any team. But moving forward after that, they had the easiest schedule in the league and the second most home games. So the schedule's favorable, favorable for them. As long as they're moderately healthy, I think they'll win more games than they lose down the stretch and, and get to 500 or maybe just below it. Oh, so yeah, that most likely be the plan. Yeah, plan range probably. I think also. they get in the plan. Oh wow! All right, Chase, we want to thank you for coming on tonight. Thank you guys for watching and listening. Now, for your second listen, game to game for the Locked On NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result, Locked On Game Game covers every game across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow game to game on Locked On NBA. 
Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you guys for listening. Hail to the Wizards. Peace. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.